Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Free Parking Show. With your hosts, Amos, Rich, Ryan, and Peter, four sports journalists cover the world of sports with the utmost professionalism, or as much as they can muster after five beers. Good evening. Welcome to the Free Parking Show. I'm your host. Well, I'm with uh, Amos. It's just me and uh, Amos Conway tonight. Uh, we're going to do a little NFL free agency. Unfortunately, we are, you know, we're kind of up. We're we're kind of disappointed that a lot of two of the other guys had stuff going on, which happens in the world of journalism and sports and everything else. So we're going to uh, shoot for the NBA fictional draft in a week from tonight. That way we can have all the guys on for that one. Uh, the text in number nine. Uh, tonight we're going to do a little bit of a franchise tags. Uh, there was some big name releases over the last few days for the NFL. So we're just going to pretty much do an NFL free agency show for you guys tonight. Uh, it was a last minute ad- addition to the show. So uh, the text in number here is 252-621-2065. Once again, that's 252-621-2065. Uh, so you wanted to go over some of these uh, names that are going across, so I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you, Amos. All right, sounds good. Hope everyone else is doing good out there tonight. And like Rich said, what we're going to do is we're going to recap some of the last few days uh, leading up to the upcoming NFL free agency and the, all the franchise tags that since the deadline was Tuesday. So starting off with the franchise tag, we have the Washington Redskins. They tagged uh, Kirk Cousins, thought this was a really good move. There's not many other quarterbacks out there on the market or even in the draft who are probably going to compare to his production or what he can do in that offense. What do you think about him getting tagged, Rich? I, I like it. I, I mean, the I think we talked on this show the other night about the free, the free agent quarterback class is pretty dried up now with Sam Bradford getting that contract extension. Uh, Brock Osweiler's a free agent. He's asking for a lot of money, apparently, and they're still working that deal out. And I think Cousins kind of found his way there in Washington. I think thought think it was a smart move. I just don't want to see Washington overpay for somebody that they saw half a season of a, a decent quarterback play. And the joke was that he hasn't beaten a team above 500 yet. So they got to be very, very careful with the, this extension. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I I think the franchise franchise tag works out for them well too because he was probably going to end up paying him probably $20 million this year anyways with the new contract. <clears throat> so here they're saving you know, just a few bucks here and there, but they're also getting another year to see what he can do. And if he doesn't do well, they can cut their losses and move on to another quarterback. All right, for the New York Jets, and as a Patriots fan, this guy coming up is going to be very familiar to us. The Jets – Franchise tagged um, Mo Wilkerson, the defensive end, arguably one of the best defensive ends in the league. <clears throat> Great at stopping the run, filling the gaps, uh, outstanding and underrated pass rusher. And I I don't blame the Jets here. I would franchise tag him too. He's just, oh man, he's a very, very dominant player up front. Yeah, it's another great signing. I've always loved Muhammad Wilkerson, one of the greatest, one of the arguably the most underrated defensive linemen in the NFL. Great off the edge. That that's what the the Jets were known to do was get after the quarterback. So you know it, it was one of them things that you know they just it had to be done. You're looking at guys that are getting released due to cap hits, but this guy's still what in his. I think he's want to say he's he's in his late twenties, early or no, probably like twenty seven, twenty eight. So he's still on the. He's still got one more max deal left in him. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and like we've said, he's we've seen a lot of him, and he's he's a very good football player. So very good move by them. <clears throat> Moving on to another AFC East team, we have the Miami Dolphins, who designate their tag to defensive end Olivier Vernon. 
Also thought very, very good tag. A guy who can drop out in coverage, rush the passer. He's good and run support. Uh, very versatile with his game, being able to drop back. He can, you know, cover uh, some backs. There's probably very few tight ends that he'd be able to do it with, but he's decent in zone. thought this was another tag well-placed on a guy who probably deserves a large contract due to what, you know, even for such a team that was a bad defense, he was a guy who stuck out, and I thought he played pretty well throughout the season. Yeah, that just it really does help them anchor that that front seven down you know you got sued there for a few more years and you the thing is i don't know really what to make of the whole sue contract because it was a bad situation to begin with he didn't apparently like the play calling that was going on down there so now they got adam gase coming in they've got a whole new defensive scheme coming in so Maybe this is a make-or-break year for that that front seven. Who knows? I, I, I like the tag as well. I thought it was really, really smart. Uh, we, we saw the last uh, couple Super Bowls. The Super Bowl champion uh, Broncos led the league in sacks this year. Uh, that's what you got to do in this league, apparently, if you want to succeed is get after the quarterback. Absolutely, and I did uh, bring it up the dumb Sue there. Did see something earlier today? I think about how the uh, Dolphins were already trying to restructure his contract, and, <laughs> and good, yeah, good luck to that. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think he's going to take a pay cut now. You, you done sold it, uh, so you done sold your soul to Sue. You're stuck with him. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a good way to put that. And next, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. They franchise tagged uh, Walter Payton, Man of the Year, Eric Berry. We all know about him and uh, what he's been through and him coming back. Had an outstanding year with a full year back. I just thought he played lights out. Very uh, instinctive safety. Very good in run support. Good in coverage. Understands high football IQ. Very versatile guy. You can put him about anywhere on the field. He's going to excel. Uh, also, another great, great choice at, for, for a franchise tag. Yeah, I loved Eric Berry. I read somewhere that when he was recovering from the the chemotherapy and everything, he was going to chemotherapy, and then he'd turn around and go to the gym, and he'd be at the gym lifting weights, working out, running, and literally throwing up for the the sole purpose of getting back on the football field come the regular season. And what he did this this past season was remarkable. I I do not see that, you know, I I agree with this tag as well. I, I think you cannot let somebody of that, that's got that veteran presence now, just walk away like that. I mean, it's just remarkable what he went through. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Moving on to our next team, we have another AFC West team. We have Denver Broncos, Super Bowl champions. No surprise here. Uh, they tag Vaughn Miller. We all know about his dominant, dominant run in the playoffs Ridiculous. and the Super Bowl. Yeah, just insane. Even he showed off some cover skills, even when they dropped him back in coverage and just rushed away. I mean, he was all over the field. Another guy I can't say enough about. Couldn't get a contract done. So, And in my mind, there would be very few players that I would tag above Von Miller at this point. And all, he, I mean, yeah. He got, the Go exclusive, he got the exclusive franchise tag. That means he can't negotiate with anybody but Denver. So he's going to be back in Denver no matter what. Right. So yeah, I, I I agree with with you one hundred percent. Arguably, you know, you got JJ Watt. I, I would say JJ Watt and uh, Von Miller is one A and one B, and you can interchange those all you want to. It just depends on who you like better. But they're obviously two of the they're two of the best defensive ends in the NFL right now, outside of Demarca. You, I mean. The thing was, and we saw what Denver did. They won the Super Bowl on defense. We we've preached on that all year long. How great that defense was, and you know, you keep that, you keep the band together as much as you can, and that's what Denver's doing. That's why they're not gonna, you know, do anything else with any of their other players right now. Absolutely, I I can't blame them. There's yeah, everybody's wanting to leave, go somewhere, get paid. Von Miller's a guy who does want to be in Denver, so they do have that gun with them too. Maybe a little bit of a discount, but he's there, so they have to pay him a bunch, and it's been well deserved. Moving on to the Broncos' opponent in the Super Bowl on the NFC side, NFC side, we have the Carolina Panthers. They designated their tag to Josh Norman, the corner, obviously very good, outstanding corner, uh, very very good, especially in man zone or in man coverage. He's like a blanket, does very very well in zone, all over the field. I know at one point he had like, oh man, was it like four interceptions or five interceptions to mm, return for yep. touchdowns or something? Like just absolutely ridiculous. 
Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah, I like the tag a lot, and I think it's another good move. And uh, he, his corners are hard to come by, so this yeah, one costs him a lot too. <laughs> you must be reading my mind right there because corners don't grow on trees. I mean, look at the season Marcus Peters had. And we were just talking about the uh, Chiefs uh, a few minutes ago or a few seconds yeah. ago. And now you look at Josh Norman, arguably, you know, came up as from being a good cornerback to a really, really great cornerback. So, yeah, I'm, I'm putting him up there in, amongst the best in the league, and it was a great franchise tag all over, all around there too as well. And he did come out and say that he thought he was one of the top five corners of all time, which I don't know. I'm definitely not ready to put him there yet. No, I, I, I would say you're not either. <laughs> no, I would hate for us to – that's actually a great show idea where when, you know, in the future is go ahead and name our top five of all time at each position per show. That would, that would actually be pretty interesting. I'd love to hear everyone's take on that one. Yeah, it would be good. All right, moving on to back actually to the AFC East. We have the Buffalo Bills, and they designated their tag, designated their tag to uh, the t- left tackle, Cordy Glenn. I think a lot of people may cock their heads to this, but left tackles are, you know, especially with showing what Von Miller was able to do and DeMarcus Ware in the Super Bowl and the playoffs, being able to put pressure on both sides. These tackles become more and more valuable. Cordy Glenn's a very, very good one, a very smart one. I think it's a good move and try to get him signed long term. I honestly do not know nothing about the man, so I'm going to take your uh, expertise on that one. Uh, you know, it's Buffalo, so that, that's all I'm going to say there, Rex Ryan. But they obviously tagged him for a reason, and, and I do agree. Left tackles are hard to come by. We we saw that as Patriots fans, man. Nate Solder goes down, that offensive line went to shambles. And, you know, they they did the Patriots did lock up Nate Solder, what, three more for a three-year contract extension back in October, so... Yeah, absolutely, and that's a good point. Once he did go down, that whole line just, it's like a house of cards. (laughs) And finally, last but not least, the Baltimore Ravens designated their tag to Justin Tucker, the kicker. Uh, It makes a lot of sense. Justin Tucker is a very good kicker, very, very much a clutch kicker. High percentage, does not miss a lot, and when he misses, he doesn't even miss by a lot. Very good kicker. And he's come through, come through for them in the past, and I think he'll continue to do that for the future as long as they get him resigned. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the kicker's arguably one of the best franchise tags you can use. I mean, you look at, I think if you were speaking in terms of player points, I think Steven Goskowski, the Patriots kicker that was tagged last offseason, who eventually got that four-year, I want to say it was like four-year, uh, $60 million deal. It was right around mm-hmm. roughly $4 million a year. He's led the league in points over the last, God knows how long, five or six years. So kick, kickers come a dime a dozen. When you can get a kicker like Justin Tucker that can, you know, he's pretty much automatic, it, it, It's you have you can't let him walk out the building either. Then, then points add up too. So it, that's why I think it's, it, it was, that was probably my favorite tag out of all of them. All right. Yeah, no, I thought it was a very good call. And I agree with, especially bringing up the point with Goskowski leading the league in points. And that Tucker's probably not been very far behind him. So, obviously, he's a guy tremendous help to that team. All right. And we're going to go ahead and move on to Wednesday. A little more free agency. So, the Titans agreed to terms with Bryce McCain, the corner to a multi-year contract he's been a journeyman kind of guy spent uh, his first few years with houston then went to pittsburgh i believe he was with miami last year and now he's reportedly going to tennessee on a multi-year contract i think he's a guy who's going to be able to play nickel for you for like a year because i think as soon as offenses kind of get him figured out he's struggled but i think it's a good signing for someone who they need help in the secondary and he may just be a Band-Aid, especially if they draft somebody. So, I mean, it's – I think it, it could go good for them. It could go bad or it could just kind of go neutral. That that brings the next question. What does that do about Jason McCourty? Because I think the, uh, the Patriots were interested in getting him right around the trade deadline. There was some sort of interest that said if anything happens, it'll have to be in the offseason. I'm wondering if that signing is going to show Jason McCourty the, the, his way out the door. So I know he's doing a uh, high cap hit this offseason. Yeah, I just, McCourty is a much better corner than McCain. 
Yeah, so why would you? That's what I don't see. Some of this stuff I don't understand. Why would you give somebody a multi year deal and you got a better corner in Jason McCourty who you're considering letting walk out the door? I mean, he's what, a couple years older than uh, than Devin's? I mean, it, you see, he's still one of the solid corners in the league. No, they're, they're twins, aren't they? Yeah, I think, uh, I think, well, actually, I think Devin stayed in school longer is why I'm getting. Oh, okay, games. gotcha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, <clears throat> I agree though. Jason Cordy is a very good corner, and I know the cap hit will hurt. And the multi-year deal is weird, but I I don't know. Maybe you're hoping you can do something with him, and but I don't know. You'd put obviously the think we have to find out. Yeah, that's yeah, put, put that'd be my thing. Back, yeah, put put him, let yeah. him cover some of them shifty slot wide receivers. You never know what they're going to do with him. Dick LeBeau, that, that's the he, he's like I say he's arguably the greatest defensive coordinator of our generation or of all time for that matter. Some sure. oh yeah they they brought him on for a reason. So I, I trust Dick LeBeau will find out you know where he where he's going to fit in his system. That makes sense. How go, how long has LeBeau been gone from uh, Pittsburgh? Like two years? I, yeah, I think this would be a second year with Tennessee. Okay, because I I think McCain. Was there or in Pittsburgh two years ago? Only for a year, though. So Some, yeah, the familiar, the, like I said, the familiarity with the system always pays off for these guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to the San Diego Chargers. They released four, two of the bigger names, so we'll go over them. Uh, we have they released linebacker Donald Butler and the ex Colt now ex Charger running back. Donald Brown. We'll start with Butler. Butler's not a guy I'm highly familiar with. I have seen him obviously play when I've watched Chargers game. He is a guy who seems to be all over the field. Uh, it seems to be good, especially much better at the run than necessarily running the passer, and I think he's decent in coverage. Could be wrong about that. Like I said, I'm not real familiar with him. And for Donald Brown, I thought he was a good running back when he was at the Colts. Colts let him walk. I was a little taken back, a little confused, but then they signed Frank Gore, so... You know, it makes sense at that point, but I just I thought he was a good running back for them. He made a lot of big plays on the ground when they needed it. And I think he's a guy who will find himself a home somewhere as a backup easily. Yeah, he, he could be one of them third down backs. I wouldn't consider him a quality back, but he's a solid back and like you said, he can get you them extra yards when you need them. But at the same time I wasn't sold on either. I don't like I don't know much about the linebacker, but I was never really highly sold on Donald Brown other than, you know, he can come in as a third or fourth down op or third or fourth option on the depth chart for any team, really. But he is a he is a quality running back. I just don't consider him like starter, even backup material. But that's just me. No, that's completely fair. That's completely fair. I actually skipped an entire day with that one. That actually happened today. <laughs> it's all good, man. We're just kicking back, having fun. I, I just realized that I was like, oh man, all right. I just moved an entire day. <laughs> All right, so going back to what happened yesterday, uh, as being Patriots fans, we both read this. We knew this coming into this one. Patriots released Scott Chandler, the tight end, and Brandon LaFell, the wide receiver. So we'll start with Chandler. Chandler, I thought, was a guy who had a little bit of potential, and then watching him play throughout the season, it seemed like every time we needed him to make a catch, he did not. And you could, like, I think the Eagles game may have been by far his best catch of the year. I believe it was that game over the middle and just kind of caught it over the safety or whoever was covering him. Yeah. But, and as for, ahead. oh, my bad. But no, as you for, go ahead. <laughs> against Pittsburgh, when they were using those split tight end sets at the goal line, you thought, oh, okay, well, if this is the way this goes. These guys are going like, to destroy the red zone. And it just did not go that way after that at all. And as for Brandon LaFell, uh, had a good season last year during the Super Bowl run, year before last, sorry. You know, caught the first touchdown in the Super Bowl, had a very, very outstanding season for himself, and I think it's probably the best season that he will see. I think he's talented, but I think he stops himself. I think there was even something about him not necessarily, like, wanting to have to know all the plays that he argued with Belichick or something, and I just I, – I think he was a good fit for a year, and I think they got that year out of him. I think you're looking also looking at the fact that he spent the first six or seven games on the pup list, didn't benefit from a training camp. He had a down year, but I, I blame that a lot on the injury and the recovery process. You know, and to me, 
Like, I think it was, what was the first game back? The first game he came back, he played, I can't remember who it was, and he dropped like... Is it the Jets? I think so, where he had dropped like seven passes on yeah. like four or five. Had a bunch of drops, and then, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a, a Panthers fan, works here at the local grocery store, said, I have no idea why you even signed that bum to begin with. Peter, that's Peter's favorite word, is bum. He said, uh... That dude has got stone hands, and it and it really showed this past off season. So that came as no surprise. But Scott Chandler, on the other hand, I agree with you to uh, to to the Steelers game and a couple of the other games. But it just baffles me how someone with that much potential can fall as hard as he did this year. I think he was battling injuries about midway through the season. He came back for the playoffs. Had you know, he played some key. Uh, run and pass blocking when we needed him, but I, I'm wondering if he's just in. I th- this is a fair statement as well. We saw many players come into New England that had great careers before they got there, and that playbook in New England is just so complex. And I'm just wondering if he couldn't grasp it like he should have. Yeah, well, it's that, and I agree. It's a good, great point you bring up. I was actually just thinking that as well. Is that McDaniel's playbook is full of those like little option routes? Is you know where's the linebacker leaning when he you know when he's facing you? Which way? That's which way you're going to cut in, cut out. I think it's a lot of stuff to do with it, especially as a tight end in New England, where you're probably asked to do twice as much as anyone else on the field. And I, I agree. Like I, I thought there'd be potential with them, especially with that size. And I mean, we've seen them in Buffalo make plays. I just I guess not here in New England. And now they're. And New England's just essentially gutting this thing from the outside in because now you're down, what, three wide receivers. Uh, they they uh, informed uh, Brian Timms he wasn't going to be back. Now you're out of tight end, so you've got to go to the market, look for a tight end, and at least another two or three wide receivers to add to the mix. My question to you is what are they going to do with Danny Amendola? I think he's due almost, what, $4 million against the cap this year. Obviously, he's not going to make big money out there. Do you think he's going to restructure once again? Oh, man. Yes, I, I, I think he will if they ask him to. I just don't know if they'll ask him to. Yeah, because he's already done it. Well, then again, you look at Tom Brady, who takes a pay cut every year just to benefit the franchise. And you're that's what's funny is Tom Brady takes all these pay cuts, and you look at players like Sam Bradford and Kirk Cousins, and they're about to get contracts. And what have they actually done in the league? So oh, I think I Danny, I think Danny Amendola, that that's an interesting thing. I think he may not be back next year. I think they value Julian Edelman a little bit more. But then again, when Edelman went down, Amendola came in. Then again, Amendola injured his knee in in Denver, so. You're gonna need you need the depth at wide receiver, obviously, and I guess they felt that LaFell and uh, Tim's were just not the answer there either. What you're saying is, I think they like Amendola a lot, and I think obviously they like Edelman a lot. And I think the big thing is is they want someone to compliment Gronk as another tight end, and they want somebody who can spread the field down deep. That way, Edelman and Amendola can work the inside, the middle, and I think that's when you see all the cuts and everything. And I think that's something that they're leaning towards. Oh, I want to see a deep threat. I've been wanting to see a deep threat since Randy Moss left, but that's just my opinion. Because <laughs> no, you can't, you can't throw a uh, a fly route to freaking James White, Julian Edelman, or Rob Gronkowski. Gronk's big, and that's what his power is. He's got speed in the red zone. I mean, he can get downfield, but look, he normally gets downfield with double coverage. You bring in like a Muhammad Sanu or a uh, Roddy White who was just recently released, and I'm sure you got his name on your list, that's going to make this offense a little bit more, it's going to add a little bit more zip to it. In other words, you're going to see a lot more fly patterns. Because believe it or not, Tom Brady doesn't throw a bad deep ball. He just doesn't have nobody that, that runs the fly route really well. That's true. If I'm looking for a speedy guy with a little bit of height, uh, I think Marvin Jones would be perfect for them. Yeah, well, other, yeah. Somebody. Give me somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now moving on to Green Bay, and just real quick, we'll touch on this one. They re-signed the, their uh, kicker as well, Mason Crosby, another guy, very good, uh, very, very clutch. He's made a lot of kicks for them in the past, uh, especially on their Super Bowl run. He's just I, another guy, Justin Tucker. I mean, you can copy and paste about these guys. They're just outstanding at what they do. A lot of people say it's just kicking, and I understand that, but there's a lot that goes into it with the pressure and timing, and Crosby's another one of them. Very few guys 
who handles the pressure and he comes through when they need it the most and he does nothing but really benefit their team. Oh yeah, hundred percent agreed. I, I speak highly. I think kickers is probably one of the one of the top priorities in the league, honestly, because you you leave points off the board that hurts you in the long run. I agree. All right, we'll move on to uh, some news. It's not necessarily a signing, but it is an extension for Joe Flacco. I had the number, and then I completely forgot it. It's buried in my phone somewhere. But I know this year his average jumped up to like 22.3 or 7 million for this year, or 23.7 or something. I don't know. He, Joe Flacco's a good up. Yeah, I'm going to look it up while you're talking about it just to see what his new contract is. Joe Flacco, another one of them guys. He's a very, very good quarterback. He's been there, and he won the Super Bowl, and he has had moments where he's been clutch. But really, those I don't know. I like Joe Flacco. I think he is an average quarterback. I think the only thing that separates him and Andy Dalton is that ring. I think that, really, you could, if I were to put those two in the tier, they'd be the, probably the top two in that middle to high tier. I, I don't know. I like him. He's made a lot of plays. He's done a lot with very little. I just, I don't know. I think he is not that great of a quarterback, but I do give him props for what he's done. The numbers he's put up, the Super Bowl, the playoff wins, all are very, very impressive. I just, something doesn't hold faith in him with me. No, me either. Here it is. Joe Flacco signed a six-year, $120.6 million contract with the Ravens, including $20 million in signing, $29 million guaranteed, and an average annual salary of $20 million and $100,000. And it says in, 2000, in this season, Flacco will earn a base salary of $18 million. His cap hit uh, is $28 million. Wow. Dead money. Maybe I was thinking the cap uh, hit. Uh, 25 uh, 25.8 is what his uh, dead money is. So he, he extended, and I think that helps. I think it actually helps alleviate when they sign extension. It normally alleviates some of the cap space as well. Absolutely. All right. Now moving on to the one that I think it surprised me the most of Actually, there's one other one that surprised me a lot, too, but this one probably caught me way more off guard. Was the Atlanta Falcons cutting their veteran wide receiver? Uh, do believe he holds like, their touchdown record and their uh, receiving yardage record. I actually thought this time would come for Roddy White. I didn't think it would be until they had another established receiver. I think they tried that this year with Leonard Hankerson. And then with the arrival of Devontae Freeman, if he keeps that up, That'll be another just bonus, and that kind of takes some of the pressure off of having that other wide receiver. But I, I don't know the advantage of them cutting him. I understand he's probably a guy who would have restructured uh, his contract or helped him. Maybe he wouldn't, man. That's why I got cut. But, yeah, I know he's up there in age, but he'd be a guy that I would absolutely love to have on the Patriots. And oh, I think yes. he'd be great. And he's been nothing but great and outstanding. So uh, the move was very shocking to me. I think he had an injury plague season because I'm looking at his stats. He had 43 receptions, 506 yards, and one touchdown for just for the regular season alone. He averaged 11.8. I know. Yeah, he was injured. I, I think he was injured quite a bit, and they figured they just gave Julio Jones that contract this last off season. So I guess they figured they release him. They they really need defensive help. They were dead last in sacks, you know, and in, in, uh, getting after the quarterback. So there's some couple of other free agent names they're probably looking out for. Now. I guess they figure with a Julio Jones, the Matt Ryan Julio Jones tandem that lit that league up last year, they're just going to build on it. I, it came off as a little surprising as well, but at the same time, I, I'm kind of beginning to realize that you know you got to realize that the, this is the business part of the NFL as much as we hate to see it from any team. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree. It is a business before it's a game anymore, and I understand the roster move. It just, to me, I don't know. They're 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 much better with a healthy Roddy White. Uh, they're obviously, but they're much better with almost a fifty percent Roddy White than half the other receivers that they have on their roster. Devin Hester, obviously a very speed guy, but receiver wise, they gave him a chance to be that slot receiver, and he did not do good. I think that Harry Douglas is a the guy they should have re-signed because I think right now this would make that move a lot easier. Something tells me they're just going to draft a wide receiver this year. Just, just 
take the I think they're probably going to wide receiver one if they can't get one in free agency here next week. It's very true, a very high possibility. All right. And moving on to back we'll go back to the uh, AFC South here for the first time, I do believe. No, I'm sorry. We talked about Tennessee earlier. We're going back yep. to them. So, in signing Bryce McCain, they also released Antonio Andrews, the running back. He's a guy who, throughout the season, actually showed some flashes. I even had him on my fantasy for fantasy team for a couple weeks here and there, hoping he would get something. And not a guy I paid a whole lot of attention to. I know he didn't put up a whole lot of production. I know that running game wasn't very, very good. But, actually, none of the running backs did very well. And I would say the other two, I don't know. I would have cut Bishop Sankey before I would have cut Antonio Andrews. But I don't, I mean, either one, I, I don't expect Bishop Sankey to be on that team starting next year either. But I guess it yeah. makes sense. <laughs> I would have probably gutted the entire running back core there. I'm sure Ryan would have loved to have seen them gut the entire core and just build it from scratch. I think he was the one that wants Matt Forte to come to, to Tennessee, but same time it's just like Matt Forte we're gonna see how big of a because you know Matt Forte's like well I want to go play for a Super Bowl contender and somebody flashes that money and the thing this is the beauty about the free agency they say they want to go play for a championship contender but once somebody flashes them dollar signs at you and you're like I'm sitting at 31 years old I may not get another max deal in my entire career you know they're gonna start thinking. They're gonna start thinking less about that Super Bowl championship and go and get that. You know, go and get go and get that payday. But I, like I said, I don't know. I I think Tennessee really needs a running back to help marry it all out. That, that's just point blank. And we all saw Bishop Shanky. I kind of liked him last year because he had a little like slight flashes. But then again, he's not a reliable running back either. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, Tennessee is in a draft position to possibly get uh, the best offensive tackler, offensive tackle, or a defensive player, you know, one of the top five guys off the board. And then in the second round, having the first pick in the second round, they could probably still get another good running back, one of the top two, because I don't see Henry and Elliott going in the uh, first round both, but it oh, could I happen. Oh, I don't see. I think somebody said they're probably going to both slide down to the second round, so. Uh, maybe New England runs up there and gets one of them. Oh, it'd, be, it'd be nice. Someone like Henry and just bulldoze people. <laughs> Take it. All right, moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Say they released today. They released left guard Zane Beatles and defensive end Chris Clemens. Now, these are two guys that actually face each other in the Super Bowl where Denver got blown out, <clears throat> Super Bowl 48. And Zane Beatles was a guy who helped get that, you know, Peyton Manning. Yeah. I, I, yeah, he's just, he's a great pass protector. He's not very good in the run game. And I think that's always been the one biggest knock on him. Very good with his pass protection, his footwork and everything. Run game, not so much. Doesn't move to the second level very well. Uh, this isn't a move that I blame them. I can see Beatles going to a team like Tampa Bay or maybe even to Tennessee to help uh, one of those guys kind of get established passing because I think he is a guy who you can get a solid year out of. Same thing as Chris Clements. I think he can be a guy who goes somewhere and be a backup rotational player. He's, what, two or three years coming off a of Super Bowl now. He also had a great season that year, especially with Red Bryant as well. They both ended up going to Seattle with Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator. I thought this was <clears> – <throat> I thought he was a bit of a surprise because he's a Bradley guy, but – that defensive line did not perform well last year, and, and I think they're going to upgrade, especially with Dante Fowler Jr. coming back uh, off the uh, ACL tear. Yeah, I like both of these guys, too. I, I think they're both savvy veterans. Uh, something tells me I want to see Chris Clemens go back to, to Seattle and help that team out because they're in dire need of, uh, of some defensive help with their free agents coming up as well. And Zane Beatles, I, I like both of these guys. I'm, I just... I know they're going to find work. That's just the way the NFL goes. So, oh man, it's it. I just I, I just don't know on this one. Sorry, I ain't got nothing else on my mind on this one. <laughs> That's all right. We'll uh, move on, on to hold on, hold on, real quick before we get on. Uh, the number here is two five two six two one two zero six five. The text line is two five two six two one two zero six five. You want to talk anything about your team's uh, free agency moves or? Any free agency uh, questions you got for us, uh, send them in. 
back to back, back to you. Absolutely, we'd love to hear from you. All right, moving on to the Houston Texans. Today they released Arian Foster, <clears throat> Garrett Graham, the tight end, and Raheem Moore, the safety. And I do believe that all three of these guys started for them. Obviously, Foster did. Then he has the uh, another injury out for the season. As soon as he comes back from injury, it seemed. I think that's a guy if he gets healthy completely in an off season to where he comes in healthy. I think he's a guy who can actually make a difference for a team. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Maybe two seasons if you can get that out of him. But it's going to be a very good two seasons from the guy. He's very much a team player. Great. Uh, pass catcher, very, very good. Obviously running the ball out of the backfield, good blocker. Garrett Graham also had flashes this year. Uh, he made, as I can remember, he he made a handful of good grabs. But just on his end, I don't think enough production, not what they wanted to see out of him. He had a lot of uh, plays that I thought that were designed to get him open. When he did get open, he dropped the ball. And Raheem Moore, I think he's another guy who's just been a journeyman, and he was there for a year in Houston to maybe just kind of fill a gap or you know fill up a Band-Aid for a year. And I think he's a guy who – I think he'll be on another team next year, but he's definitely a guy who's going to be moving on. The Arian Foster release came kind of a bit of a surprise. I mean, they were sold high on this guy early. You know, if you watched then the Hard Knocks campaign or whatever, they were sold high on this guy <laughs> – and the funny, if you think about it this way, the rule of thumb, I guess, in the NFL is now, do not get hurt. If you get hurt, you're going to get cut the next year. How many names have we already ran over where we say, oh, that guy was injured? Yeah, that guy was injured too. And here they are suffering the, the cap casualty because you can't stay on the field. Absolutely, I agree with that 100%. All right, now this one... Like Roddy White, this one kind of surprised me as well. The Panthers released defensive end Charles Johnson. Uh, this guy, I do believe, is coming off a pro. He spent last year injured, but I do believe he's coming off a Pro Bowl season. He was a guy who they expected a lot out of him. Uh, got injured after the season, especially with them or with Jared Allen retiring. I thought he was a guy who was going to get re-signed and maybe not to a huge contract with the injury, but he would definitely be there. But I think he still is a good defensive end. I think he's probably got a lot left in the gas tank, and I don't know if it was just because they signed Norman to the franchise tag, they had to release someone to you know get cap yeah, space, that's, that's another cap penalty. Yeah. yeah, but I think he's a very good defensive end. I don't think he's going to have a hard time finding home. Now he he could always come back. A lot of these players get released. They want to go see what's out there in the free market, see what their value is. He could say, well, you know, you're going to pay me this much. Maybe I'll just go back to Carolina. But I agree. That one came as a shock to me as well. Then I was like, you just tagged Josh Norman and you're going to, you know, you're going to eventually have to extend Cam Newton and Luke Keekley. And you got more players on that team. Kelvin Benjamin's coming back who, you know, I think he's got, what, another year. He's in a contract year, so... You know, it's just all about, like I said, it's a business aspect of this game. That's a, it's a tough pill to swallow for any fan. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. It is. It kind of sucks to see a lot of these guys go. You know, they're someone's favorite player, and <clears throat> you know, he's. I thought he did very well for them, and I think he's going to be. You know, I think they will. They're good at drafting, understanding talent. Yep. I think they will replace him, but Riverboat I think Bob. it'll be a little while. Yep. <laughs> all he's right, defensive genius. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the Moving on to the Baltimore Ravens, say they released linebacker Daryl Smith and defensive end Chris Canty. The Daryl Smith release actually surprised me. It yep. surprised me when Jacksonville released Daryl Smith. Uh, he's a guy who's I, he's had at least 120 tackles his last three seasons with Baltimore, I do believe I heard. And I think he had somewhere around that number with Jacksonville. And he's a guy that... I don't know why he keeps getting cut. I'm not sure. He plays at a high level. He always brings high production. I don't know if I, – I, if I, I mean, I watch Baltimore somewhat, so he doesn't seem to miss a lot of tackles. He's good at filling the gap. Not a great pass rusher, but this one kind of surprised me. And as far as Chris Canty, I thought he was a guy who has been solid for them, by no means great. I think they expected a lot out of him, and just it never got delivered. This move doesn't surprise me nearly as much, but it's Baltimore. Say, you know, once again, great defensive drafting, and I think they'll get guys to replace them. 
Yeah, Daryl, speaking of Daryl Smith, 121 combined tackles this year, three sacks, uh, one interception. Oh, man, he is like, he's arguably, I would put him up there on the second tier of linebackers behind uh, Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, Luke Keekley, and Clay Matthews. Then you probably got the linebacker core of like Daryl Smith, Cleo Mack. I, I, you're right. It, uh, what is he? Uh, night, how old is this guy? In 1982 is his birthday. 35. Oh, that makes sense. So he's getting up there in age. So he's he could go somewhere on a one-year deal for the minimum and, and be perfectly fine with that, I'm sure. I didn't realize he was that old, but, yeah, that makes complete sense. All right, and as far as Cusco, we have one more that's expected, and that's Brandon Carr expects is expected to be released by the Cowboys. This one makes complete sense to me. Brandon Carr is a guy who they brought in and has not done anything for them and has continued to do nothing for them. He is he was brought in to be their guy that they're going to put against elite corners and ended up being Orlando Scandrick, and he just he's not had any good year since he's been there. And I, I don't know if it's a system, but then again, it's, he's played in multiple systems and not performed. And I think if this guy goes anywhere, it's definitely going to be maybe a nickel corner or maybe even a, a little lower on the depth chart because I think his best days are behind him. And this is something that does not surprise me. And it probably saves him quite a bit of cap space. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the NFL.com and his cap. He was set to count. Thirteen point eight one seven million against the salary cap this year, so that was an obvious choice for the cap casualty. Uh, you know they've got Byron Jones uh, played pretty well last year. I know a couple Cowboys fans they were really impressed with Maurice Claiborne's improvement in Byron Jones. So you got two younger corners, like you said, Brandon Carr always kept taught running his mouth down there in Dallas. Most Cowboys players do while they're down there for the most part. Oh, I'm the greatest, da-da-da-da-da, and then they never show up and do anything. So I agree with you. I think he's going to come down and play a little uh, nickel corner, you know, covering somebody like a Julian Edelman or something like that. Good luck doing that. But, yeah, I agree with you 100% there. That was an obvious uh, cap, uh, an obviously cap casualty release. All right, so there is something that <laughs> I seen it earlier, and I read the article and I'm trying to find on my phone if I kept it up or not, and I don't think I did, but I do want to talk about it, and that is basically the miniature city that Jerry Jones is building. Have you seen that? No, I haven't, but now you've piqued my curiosity, so I'm going to go look. <laughs> he's he's building, and oh man, I, I, I hope you find it, because he's building... A thing called like Jerry World. I understand what the stadium is called, but basically it's attached to a school district. It's got a like covered practice field that covers, or it's got like 1,200 seats on each side of it or something. And he's building a ho- hotel, and it's, oh God, it's so many miles from the stadium. I, mean, I don't, I can't remember how much. <laughs> but, I, I, I don't see it on here either. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. No, I don't see it. That that's ridiculous. So, uh, nope, not seeing it. Let me see if it's in Google News search real quick. Uh, I was cracking up when I see it, man. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I was crack. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't. Re- he can't be serious." And uh, I want to say it was on the front page of uh, ESPN earlier. Yeah, okay, it's right here. It's called the uh, the Ford Center at Star uh, Stadium or something. The Ford Center. Yeah, the Ford Center at. Oh, I forget. It, it looks awesome. <laughs> it's got like a hotel attached to it and everything. It looks insane. And I, God, he's gonna. It's gonna start a trend. Other teams are gonna start doing it, especially someone like. It surprised me because I was listening to a sports radio, and I didn't realize Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, was like the, by far, by far the richest NFL owner. And it's not even closed. It's by like $5 billion or something. Like well, I figured, it is. I see it now. Yeah, that is pretty neat. It says, will yeah, Cowboys just... new facility raise the bar for other teams? <laughs> 
Now, there's one other thing that we do have to talk about because I know we got a couple Patriots fans listening in, the, in tonight. We are back in the Tom Brady suspension uh, saga goes on. New uh, reports out that Tom Brady's actually losing this battle. Here we are a year later, and we're st- they're, they're still trying to burn Tom Brady for quote-unquote allegedly deflating some footballs. It just it it's it just amazes me how far the how long this thing's gone on. Yeah, I honestly I couldn't agree more, and it's something that it's just the NFL back out for revenge. And yes, I'm a Patriots fan, but no, realistically, I'm not being biased. Roger Goodell is did not get what he wanted, and he wants what you know what he. Tom Brady beat him. He doesn't want that. You can't have a player beating him. Plus, all the choices that he's made before, now they're everything that he does. He tiptoes. It's questionable. And I just, to me personally, it just seems like he's out to get that revenge to show that he was right, you know, not to Tom Brady and the Patriots. Oh, yeah, and the the issues they have with the footballs and the uh, divisional round between the Vikings and, and the, the Seahawks. Apparently, they were testing some of the footballs at, at halftime because they – they thought that the the quote unquote they even said the cold air they had, they had a feeling were deflating the football some, so of course they're not gonna blow this thing up like they do just because it's the Patriots or whatnot. But I, I just found that story interesting. I wrote that piece for uh, before Jock Journal got shut down on you know that story itself. So it's just like the NFL does not want to admit that they're wrong here, and, and I can't blame them. Because they've taken it this far, they have no choice but to take it as far as they can take it now. Yeah, no, and, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of reports, especially with the, they said the NFL basically just not keeping up with what they were supposed to do with checking uh, or trying to maintain and regulate the pressure of the balls throughout random games throughout the season. Apparently it's not something they did, not something they kept up to. So, especially if that report's true, and even Peter King, who was one of the biggest supporters of Roger Goodell in the NFL, has come out and basically said, hey, listen, all the stuff needs reverse. There's really nothing here. And I don't know. I don't think there is. I mean, as far as, I mean, yeah, okay, I understand that there's a possibility, but there's a possibility for anything and everything. On any given Sunday with any two teams, it's I. It just doesn't sense to me that it just turned into a. We got to get this win, and I, I, I want to see it in. I haven't hear about it, especially as a Patriots fan. Every time I get on Facebook, my feed's full of people like sharing stuff with me. Like, yeah, no, I know, I've read it. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm, I don't go. I don't walk around, you know, under a rock. Like, I get it, but I think it's just something they need to hurry up and end. Yeah, the the other big question coming around, uh, coming on the news that was broken was a Tom Brady's uh, two year contract extension. He's now locked up through the 2019 season. And you know we talked about this on the weekend recap or the yeah, the weekend recap show on Monday. And I'm gonna dive into this just a little bit more while we still have some time. The biggest and you know we kind of touched on it, but I'm gonna expand on you know. I read somewhere, what are they going to do about Jimmy Garoppolo? He's got two years left on his deal. Tom Brady's there another three years or something like that. I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's contract's up in, yeah, 2018. Brady's up in 2019. Somebody said, well, you need to go trade, trade Garoppolo. And from what I'm reading is that Jimmy Garoppolo is probably not going to be traded this year because of the suspension and for the fact that I read somewhere he's only uh, counting against, like, what, 900000 against the cap. Listen, I, I understand that people's uh, line of thinking of, hey, we're not going to cut Garoppolo because of the possible suspension. I don't think if there even wasn't a possible suspension, I don't think Garoppolo's going anywhere. When you look at the draft, yeah, you may get something out of him. Obviously, you can get a high draft pick. He seems to be a highly coveted backup. A lot of people believe is an NFL quality starter, and I think he is too. And I think that's the reason why the Patriots need to keep him and develop him, especially under Tom Brady. You get rid of him, someone else comes in, Brady gets injured or anything, you're not going to have someone as good as Garoppolo. No, as far as this draft class, system. yeah. As far as this draft class and the upcoming draft classes, unless there's someone who really sticks out, who slips to them in like the second round, maybe even the first. I think that's the only way you really debate it. Like, all right, well, we'll draft him and get rid of Garoppolo. Maybe then, but 
I don't see it happening anytime soon. Oh, I don't either. I think you hold on to Garoppolo. I mean, there's a reason Belichick took him in the second round. I, I think in Belichick's history as a head coach, he's never drafted a quarterback that high before. So Belichick really, really loves this kid. So Patriots fans, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. I strongly feel that he's not going anywhere anytime soon, unless somebody offers him like a first rounder and like a, a top flight wide receiver. Then maybe Belichick will say, "Well, I love him, but at the same time, I could really use some help for Tom Brady." And <laughs> then you may then you may be able to wheel and deal there and get that top first round draft pick for Garoppolo. But I don't think anybody's gonna give a first rounder to Garoppolo. And it's like I said, we can go back to the Cowboys story a little bit on what happened when Tony Romo went down. Oh, my God, how important is it to have a, a quality backup quarterback in this league? Yeah, I know, right? Then people are like, no, we should trade Garoppolo. Like, I was like, what, really? So you, Tony you Romo don't think goes it's valuable. <laughs> and then they throw in Brandon Whedon, who can't win a game. Then you go out and get Matt Castle, who still doesn't win a game. Tony Rombo comes back, wins one game, gets injured the next game, and I think uh, I want to say they've got a young kid. I can't remember his Kellen name. Moore. Kellen Moore, and uh, I actually like this kid. He's not. He doesn't have the size, doesn't have the arm strength, but he's got the. I think he's a really good, a really decent quarterback there. So maybe that. I think that's why they're probably not going to draft a quarterback in the in the first round. Yeah, not, no, not, Kellen Moore's a. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say with what you were saying about how weak this draft class is. I, The only team I really think is going to take a quarterback are the Browns. But then again, I don't know that I would waste another first-round draft pick on, on a quarterback for them. They they literally not hit a home run with a first-round draft pick quarterback in how many years now? Ever? Bernie Kosar? Yeah. No, they've had something like... God, was it like 17 different starting quarterbacks since 2000 or something? Something ridiculous. Yeah, Tim Couch was there way back when. <laughs> yeah, God. Trent Dilfer. <laughs> yeah, Trent Dilfer, Tim Couch, uh, Johnny Manziel. I'm trying yeah. to think of all the first-round quarterbacks they've taken. Now they've taken a bunch Brady of Quinn. Brady Quinn. Was he for, yeah, he went first round too, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's, that's just ridiculous. And it, it's like like we were saying. That's why I say you can't get rid of Garoppolo. <laughs> you look no, at the quarterback no situation, there's no benefit at all, unless you're going to bring back in, like, Ryan Mallett and giving him alarm clock as a sign-on bonus. But, I mean... God, no way. I wouldn't touch Ryan Mallett. I, no, I, I wouldn't. I was just saying that. That would be part of a signing bonus. Here you go. Uh, where's the yeah. money? No, you get an alarm clock so you can make it a practice yeah. on time. We spent your money on this. <laughs> we spent your money. There's your $25 <laughs> alarm clock. Yeah. $25 sign-up bonus. God. That, that was just ridiculous. That boy had some problems this year. but Yeah, like, I thought he was a kid who really could have. I thought had he been more focused on the game, he probably would have been. I don't know. I don't even know if I would call him a good starter. He could have been a quality starting quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. I understand why Bill O'Brien brought them boys on because they were all in New England and they were familiar with the system. But then you look at, that's why you got Bill Belichick as much better than Bill O'Brien because he got rid of these clowns. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, they, uh, I don't blame O'Brien though. The one thing I will say is I think he was hesitant to bring them in anyways. I think it was just a thing where he was like, ah, not options. All right. Back. Yep, yeah. Options. It's like, dang. Who do I, who's left on the market? Because I don't think there was very many big names. A lot of the guys got tagged to re-sign with their franchises, and it was like, I need a quarterback. And by the time I get around to drafting one, and from what I read from the draft in 2014, he really was hoping Jimmy Garoppolo was going to slip past New England and Bill Belichick. Just, yeah, I think he wanted Garoppolo over anyone else in that draft, and he just waited so long. And I think, wasn't that the same year he took Mettenberger, uh, like in the the same round, or I think he took him in a later round. But from what I was no, it wasn't Mettenberger. Who was it? Tom Savage. That's what it was. Mettenberger went to Tennessee. Oh, yeah, Savage from Savage, Savage uh, went, God, yeah. Because yeah. he went the same year as Garoppolo did, but apparently Bill O'Brien was trying to draft Garoppolo with his second pick, and Bill Belichick just came in there and stole him. It's a very Belichick move. Yeah. But, I mean, no, that, yeah, no, it worked out because Tom Savage, I think, I I think he is such a development de- developmental quarterback that he will be 
he may go and be a backup somewhere, but before he can actually play the game effectively, he's going to be like 28, 30 years old. <laughs> He'd be like Brandon Whedon coming into the yeah. coming into the league as a rookie at 28 years old. <laughs> I was like, damn, man, you're 28 years old and you're just a rookie? <laughs> what the hell? I know. Did he, he, How much do you hate he probably didn't, that he didn't stick with baseball? Yeah, I know, right? He played minor league baseball for like four years and then went back to college and says, oh, I got a year of eligibility left. I'm going to go play football. It's kind of like that. Your boy from Notre Dame, Jeff Shamarz, there, whatever his name is, he he chose uh, baseball. He where's he pitching for the Cubs now? I think he was. Nah, he's with the Giants, I do believe. I think oh. he, uh, I do believe he got traded from the Cubs to the Athletics, and from the Athletics to the Giants. Oh, okay. Because I know the last time I heard from him, because he, I thought he would have been a great wide receiver in the NFL, but apparently, from what I, everybody was telling me about Notre Dame. Uh, my cousin actually is a Notre Dame football fan. Say so he was a much better baseball player than he was a wide receiver. So, but then again, he was getting the ball thrown by Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like, <clears throat> I feel like Jeff Samarja was probably. Yeah, I would say he was better at baseball than football, but I don't think football was far behind him. No, that he he was a beast at Notre Dame. Yeah, but, but no, then again, it's also like, hey, should I take a four year? $20 million contract as a rookie or like a four-year $90 million pitcher eventually, you know? Like, oh, yeah. It was obvious. That was the obvious choice. And I think uh, Mark Schlereth's kid plays uh, – last time I checked, he was with the tie. He's a pitcher in the majors too. He played college football when uh, – I think he's a pitcher in the majors. Last time I did I not know that. Son, yeah, I think uh, his son – last I heard he pitched for – I want to say the Tigers as well. I have to look that up, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's interesting how these uh these players just uh, develop. See, as you can see on the show, we went from we just been all over the place the last few minutes. <laughs> yeah, and Notre Dame's got some. They got Corey Robinson, Dave Robinson's son, Tory Hunter Jr. They got some high profile names on that team. <laughs> I'm looking it up to see if uh, Schleris' kid is still. Uh, with the Tigers. I think he is. But I think he got demoted down to the minors or something. No. No, I uh, I would take baseball over football. Like, as much as I love football, I don't know if I could turn down a baseball contract or eventually knowing what I could get if I know that I'm going to be good. Yeah, I'm looking it up now to see if he's still there. Daniel Schlereth, uh, that's his name. I don't know if he's pitching with the Blue Jays now. Yeah, Daniel Schlereth with the Blue Jays. Uh, I think he's, yeah, he's still with the Blue Jays. So, But I know he was at a game, and I think they had Schlereth on there talking about, does uh, your son call you stink too? He's like, nah, he doesn't do that. But his teammates do. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. he's just signed, well, he signed a minor league contract with the Blue Jays on uh, January 18th. And I don't know. I know Mike Golick's son played at Notre Dame as well, but I don't know if he's in college or not either. Sir, if he's nah, there. he. Uh, yeah, I think he had two sons. That, he's got two sons and a daughter. Both sons went through Notre Dame. I don't. I know one works for ESPN. I don't know about the other one. And I know the daughter just graduated. She was like she was on the swim team for Notre Dame or something. Apparently, she was decently good. Uh, yeah, I think we got up to, like I said, uh, we've already recorded the, uh, it's now called the weekend water cooler. So it's a pretty interesting show. And I'm going to tell you what, what we got going on with that one. Peter has issued a video punishment challenge or the, the winner will, uh, win the, uh, for the March madness brackets. He said the winner will pick what the three losers has to have, or they have to do on video. So I told him, I said, I'm game because I, I can only imagine what kind of stuff you're going to be put through. Because I already know if it's a video challenge, I got something stuck in the back of my mind already if I win this thing. But I told him, I said, I am in, but I will pass. I told him I was going to pass the word along to you guys as well. So <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> so, so that ought to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. No, I, I instantly <laughs> thought of like five things. Just ro- like, the roulette in my head. <laughs> but yeah, we're I'm gonna actually upload the free for all tomorrow morning, so that we're not. I'm sorry, the weekend water cooler. I still got free for all stuck in my head. We actually talked a little, a uh, little bit about everything. I think the biggest news uh, 
they had a couple of NBA games coming on. Uh, Major League Baseball preseason's back in action. Uh, the Doral plays this weekend. And I think Duke-UNC tomorrow night. Uh, not tomorrow night, but Saturday night. We, another good one. Another good one. Probably one of the better games of the, both college and uh, NBA season. Anyway, you got anything to, uh, got any uh, closing thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, I don't have any. You guys obviously won't hear me on tomorrow night either. I just hope everybody has a good weekend. Have a safe weekend. Be responsible. All right, we are out of here. Uh, I will upload the uh, the Friday show tomorrow morning. Have a good evening. Thanks for listening to the Free Parking Show. To hear the boys live, tune in every weeknight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.